Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. A monumental admission that took place on June 8th 2020, a deep dive by Dr. Yasser Qadi in an interview that shattered the Quran as we know it. And if you are going to be looking for that interview that he did, you're not going to find it because it was taken down. But thank you, Lord, we have the full interview. And today we're going to share a snippet of that interview, obviously, with me here to Share that and unpack part of it in this episode and possibly even in the next, our dear friend and brother, Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., I remember that day very clearly, and I remember the reactions that ensued that day and even beyond when that particular interview took place. And obviously, I don't want to unpack most of that. I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, and we do want to see it because it's about seven minutes long, so I don't want to take up the whole sequence, the whole episode. But what we do know is that Muhammad Hijab was there in 2016 at Speaker's Corner in the crowd, filming us right up next to our face, pulling back and telling all the Muslims to come to him. He would say, don't watch what they're showing you. Don't listen to what they're saying. I will explain it. I will explain it. That was in 2016. We now fast forward four years, uh, come to 2020, June 8th. Uh, he is going to ask a question of Yasser Qadi. He does a, an hour, about an hour and a half interview. The last 28 minutes is where all the damage was done because he was waiting. He says, I have a problem. I have a problem. And he puts out his hand. He says, uh, I have a blank sheet. Let's say this is a blank sheet. Which Quran, which Qur'an are you? Before he could even finish Yasser Qadi stops him. So we're going to look at that. We're just going to look at snippets. And then there's not enough time to unpack it. There's so much that Yasser Qadi said. And I was watching that live. I was told about it. David Wood called me up and said, Jay, you've got to watch this. He's going to talk about this, this material that you guys introduced four years ago. He's going to talk about it. We didn't know where he was going to go with it. I couldn't believe what Yasser Qadi said, the admissions that he made it. So let's watch the video. Let's go to the video now. Just not the 28 minutes, not even the hour and a half. We're just looking at seven minutes of different phrases, different things he admitted. And then we're going to, do, in the next episode, we'll then unpack exactly what these mean and how significant these are. Wonderful. So here is the video. Let's go ahead and get it started. And, uh, what is your position in relation to preservation of Quran? Is, for example, Hafsa and Asim, the way Hafsa and Asim, do you see it as preserved, Munazzal? from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or do you not see that as mudas? What's your Jayid. position? Jayid. Okay, so uh, first and foremost, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَلْ ذِكْرَ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ 
So we yeah. believe as a matter of theology, as a matter of aqeedah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preserved the Quran, no question about it. Now, as for the issue itself, every single student of knowledge knows who studies ulum al-Quran that the mm-hmm. most difficult topics are ahruf al-qira'at and the concept of ahruf and the reality of ahruf and the relationship of the Rathmatic Mus'haf with the Ahruf and the preservation of the Ahruf. Is it one? Is it three? Is it seven? And the relationship of the Qira'at to the Ahruf. This is a topic that when you're the beginning, beginning student of knowledge, you're like, what is all of this going on here? When you go a little bit more, you learn to simply memorize what your teachers say and regurgitate it out. And you don't fully comprehend. When you do a deep dive is when things get very, very awkward and difficult. And this isn't new. This is from the time of the Sahaba. And this is not a joke, brothers and sisters. The issue of Ahruf and Qiraat caused confusion to somebody whom the Prophet said, if you want to listen to the Quran directly, listen to Ubay. Ubay mentioned the crises that happened to me at Yale. My first year at okay. Yale. It wasn't a crisis of faith, by the way. I was very clear about this. People misinterpreted. It was a crisis of my understanding of knowledge. It was a crisis okay. of what my teachers taught me. Alhamdulillah, from Alhamdulillah, as somebody who memorized the Quran as a teenager, Alhamdulillah, in my entire life, I have never doubted that the Quran is divine. You cannot doubt that. Any, you listen to it, you recite it, you just cannot doubt that. It's never been an issue. This was the issue. That the issue of ahruf and preservation and qiraat and relationships between them, these are very, very difficult issues. And the most advanced of our scholars, they're not quite fully certain how to solve all of the unanswered questions in there. These issues should only be discussed amongst people who know what the qira'at are and who understand some of these questions that are being raised. Traditional understandings of ahruf and qira'at cannot answer some of these pressing questions that are now being poked by our uh, people outside of, by our academics, not our, by their academics outside of the faith tradition. You see, in a Muslim environment, there's always some respect that we have for the Qur'an. We should. In a Muslim environment, we'll press a little bit and then we'll say, okay, khalas, sami'na wa ata'na. And that's great, alhamdulillah. When you go to academia, they don't have that red line. And they're going to just, you know, the, 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 the famous story of the emperor with no clothes. They're going to just point out, no, that doesn't make any sense. Well, that's not true. And this and that. And they'll bring issues, which I'm not going to mention explicitly, that you know are true because they're in your own books. They're not inventing anything new. And it's very clear to you and to every single very advanced student and specialist that the standard narrative has holes in it. That's what I'm going to say. The standard narrative does not answer some very pressing questions. You know? These are now well-known within the Western Academy uh, that they're bringing forth issues. Their level of now knowledge is leaps and bounds above what it used to be you know, 100 years ago. You know? And by and large, our ulama in the Eastern world are not aware, by and large, of what's going on in the Western side of things. And they're not answering those questions in a manner that it needs to be answered. And this is something all of us that are in academia fully acknowledge. We actually, issues of the relationship, of the origins, of the ikhtilaf and all of this should only be discussed amongst those who are familiar with this science. And it takes a while. I can't answer this question in a 20-minute interview, nor is yeah, it wise to do so. Which is why I never brought this topic up myself. You will not find one lecture of mine 
about this issue. It should never be brought up in public. And I don't like these idiots, and they are idiots, wallahi. This is not something you discuss amongst the masses, ya akhi. It's not wise. You don't understand qiraat. Let it be. It's wise. That's why I never did it. It's the Western academics. These, these problems are now becoming mainstream. Twitter has so many accounts of Quran experts and they're non-Muslims or they're just saying things. Let me ask you one question to try and make this as specific as possible. I think if I were to give you a blank mushaf, yeah, and, uh, and tell you to write what is munazzal verbatim from Allah into that mushaf with no human interference, would you write something which corresponds? It's with not an easy answer. It's not an easy yes or no. It is enough for the Muslim to believe that the I think Quran this should be an easy yes or no, though. Yes, Al-Khadi. I, I have to be Okay, very, very well. So, yeah, Muhammad, after we get off this phone call, me and you, let's have a number of discussions. No problem. I'm very yes. open with advanced students. But these issues should not... Look, it is kalamullah, what is going to be written. It is kalamullah. It is what, what, what would you write? Uh, 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 let's not. Let, let's. You, you're pushing me, and I'm saying it's not hikmah to listen. I have a condition. Like I said, everything I say is going to be factual. The Quran is the uncreated speech of Allah. The Quran is preserved. The Quran is known. The Quran is mutawatir. And alhamdulillah, all of the qiraat are the Quran. All of the qiraat are authentic. Alhamdulillah. Leave it at that, ya Beyond this, honestly, I have no problem. We'll have a discussion or take my class. It is enough for the Muslim to know that the Quran is the speech of Allah that has been protected and what we recite is the kalam of Allah. That is enough for the Muslim. Yeah, but then, if, I, if I could push back here just a little bit, I know, I know this is, I don't want to make it uncomfortable, but it's just, just to make things clearer. Like if, if, if someone gave you a Quran which is empty in terms of there's, no, there's nothing on it and gave you a pen, obviously you're half of the Quran, but the question is, would what you write in that mushaf correspond with any anything that we have in terms of the riwayat and the qiraat? Is if okay, who's going to bring a new Quran? We're going to have the Quran yeah. there, but which qiraat will it be in? It'll be probably a mixture, right? It's not going to be That's necessarily. Fine. Yeah, okay. So let's leave it at that. Then. It's gonna. It's not going to be the exact Hafsan Asim bi riwayat fulan or Shu'ba. But you would Just have like something which you could say is is Sahih, Rec- fully recognizable by the average Muslim. Obviously, so when you write, so yeah, so so just to be clear, if you write down, it might not be a standard Hafsan Asim. Exactly, exactly. But, yes, but, yes. But what you it write is down be, is recognizable, and you believe, and you believe that everything within that. Is munazzal min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 100% as Allah is my witness. 100%. That is the belief. Okay. Well, uh, all I can say is this. That's my signature piece. But can you see how damaging this is? Now, there is an enormous amount that came out. We're going to have to do a whole other episode. Let's unpack it next. Before we go, remember, this is these are two of the biggest names in Islam today. Muhammad Hijab is probably one of the biggest names, popularly speaking, on the internet. He has a following of half a million all over the world. He's asking Dr. Yasser Qadi from Houston, Texas, who has his doctorate from Yale University on this subject. This is what his doctorate was in 1995. That's why he's going to him. He's asking the top man in the field today in academia this question. Notice what he says. We're going to look at it next because you need, there's phrase after phrase we're going to unpack. And we're going to show you the significance of how of what actually Yasser Qadi said. He damaged more so than he realized because he was being honest. He didn't know that we were watching. He didn't know that we were recording this. 
He didn't know that we, this is now available. I have it in, in, on my own site, the entire interview. You can see it of that section. That's why it's important that we do unpack it. That's what we're going to do next. Wonderful. And I'm going to hold off on uh, commenting on it as well until next time because uh, we want to give it its due diligence. I mean, I, I really pray for both of them. I pray for their souls because it, you can tell in the interview that Muhammad Hijab is asking the right questions. And Yasser Qadi is also being honest enough to give the right answers. But I wish I can tell you that both of them recognize the issue or the errors uh, uh, that are found in uh, this claim of the preservation of the Quran. Thank you, Dr. J. Thank you, everyone. This is Al-Fadi. God bless. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al-Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for Sira International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to sirainternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Welcome back to uh, a continuation of this video series on creating the Quran, of course. The last couple of episodes, I'm sure, have been very, very exciting to many of you. And at the same time, if you are a Muslim, probably the last uh, two episodes sharing some of the comments and clips from the famous interview that took place on June 8th, 2020 between Yasser Qadi or Dr. Yasser Qadi and uh, Muhammad Hijab would have been a very painful memory. And if you've never seen that interview, at least that clip probably would have enlightened you to the seriousness of that issue. Uh, so intentionally, we did not really unpack that clip last time because we wanted to uh, at least to dedicate the whole uh, uh, episode just for sharing that clip and giving just a brief intro on that. Now we are going to take that interview and, and do, no pun intended, a deep dive on what took place in there. Dr. Dave, uh, Dr. J, uh, so uh, what uh, uh, are the issues that you would like to highlight here from that interview? What I'd like to do is, is unpack it. Uh, you, you, they've all looked at it. You've all seen it now. I'm going to take phrase by phrase that Yasser Qadi said. You notice a number of times, Muhammad Ija tried to interrupt, tried to get into, tried to, and he couldn't because Yasser Qadi really controlled the conversation. I didn't show, I only put seven minutes of 28 minutes. So most of it is not there. I just took the major, uh, the major things, the major admissions that he was making as he went through trying to answer Yasser Qadi's, I'm sorry, uh, Muhammad Hijab's questions. And he started out by putting his hand out there and said, what are you going to do? Which um, Mus'haf uh, are you going to put there? Mus'haf means, uh, the, uh, Mus'haf would be the, the, the codex or the, the, the manuscript. Which manuscript? Which, uh, which Quran really is what he is saying. If I put a blank piece of paper, he must have asked this two or three times throughout the interview. He kept putting his hand up and saying, which one? If you, I give you a pen, which one are you going to write? What he was saying is, is it the Hafs? Are you going to write the Warsh? Are you going to write the Kaloon? Are you going to write the Kasai? Which one are you going to put there? Which one is the one that's actually going to be there? And he kept on saying Hafs al Asam. Now, when you ever hear Hafs al Asam, that means Hafs from the stable of or the family of Asam. Asam is the Geraat. He is the one from Kufa. Hafs is his student. Hafs died in 796. So we're talking about the 8th century. Already, you can see, if he died in 796, he could not have been a student 
that was uh, of Muhammad, he was a student of Asif. And Asif died in the eight, just about 50 years earlier than that. So because of this, you can, you can see immediately this was a problem. I don't think at all that Yasser Qadi was, uh, uh, was prepared for this. You don't see it, but when he first heard it, he says, turn the camera off. We don't talk about this in public. That was the first thing. So let's go to the slide. Uh, let's and see and unpack this interview. We call it holds in the narrative interview because that's where he introduced this phrase. You in East, he's talking about those there in uh, where Yasser Qadi, he's in London of all places. That's not quite the East. Uh, you have holes in your narrative. What narrative? The Islamic narrative. And that's where the standard Islamic narrative, the standard narrative. So let's put it up there and let's take a look at some of these phrases. Where right away, which Girat is the one that's in heaven? Which is the one that Muhammad received? This is the question that uh, Muhammad Hijab is asking of Yasser Qadi. And of course, the response is, do not ask me this question. Not in public. Turn the camera off, he says. Now, we don't see that because I didn't put that in there. I should have maybe put that in there at the very beginning. But he was very clear that he did not want to talk about this. This was uh, too, very uncomfortable. Why do you think he reacted like this? Well, I, I mean, he studied, obviously, uh, academically, and he knows that, like you and I know, there are some problems. And uh, he already stated that he doesn't want to uh, be a hindrance or cause damage to the faith of many who will be watching because they don't have knowledge about these things. Yeah, and this is not something we tell the whole world about. Yeah. He didn't even realize we were watching. I mean, he thought that this is just a, pro, a little interview between him and the followers or those who are going to be on the same YouTube chat, which is interesting because he put it up on his channel as well. So it was this whole interview was put up on both Yasser Qadi's channel and also Muhammad Hijab. And then he talked about the Ahruf in the Qira'at are the most difficult topics. Now, he kept on going back and forth between Ahruf and Qira'at. People have asked me, what is the difference between the Afruf and the Kirahat? The Afruf, and when, you ask, when Yasser Qadi ever re- defines it, the Afruf are the seven, the first seven. Uh, these are the ones that were they're introduced by Ibn Mujahid in 936, or before nine, just nine thirty before he died in 936. And these are the two, uh, the, one from Mecca, one from Medina, uh, one from Basra, uh, one from Damascus, uh, three from Kufa. Uh, and that's why it's fascinating that the, the majority of them are from Kufa, not even from Mecca or Medina, uh, Medina which you would think all seven of them should have been from the place the prophet lived. Of the seven, five of them are not. They're all from up north. And remember what we know about up north, isn't that where uh, those, those are the derivations that Uthman burnt? He burnt all the ones from up north. And yet of the first seven that were chosen by Ibn Mujahid, five of them come from the very places that they were burnt. Now, nonetheless... He's saying that this Ahruf, let's say the Ahruf are the first seven, and in the Kira'at are the others, the other 20, uh, 23. Uh, to, uh, the problem is, the difficulty with that immediately, you can see, the, really the first seven are the Kira'at. So sometimes he calls them Kira'at, sometimes he calls them Ahruf. How do you explain this? Because this is how he does it. Trust me, brother. There are, I, my memory serves me right, up to 40 different ways to explain this. So it, and, and Yasser Qadi made it clear that there are debates about this. Yep. Not even clear. In other uh, um, in other times when he's talked about it, he talks about the first seven and then the other three that were introduced by Al Jazari. Jazari, sorry. So the first seven that are introduced by Ibn Mujahid and in, in 936, and then the other three at the bottom, the one I had in red, uh, that were introduced by Al Jazari in 1549. These are introduced in 936. The, so that's 300 years. This is 800 years later. Those are the ten. And so he keeps on talking about the ten. Kira'at. These are the creme de la creme, the best of the best. Those are the ones that you go to. 
He didn't do that in this interview because he wasn't really in, unpacking them like that. So those are the ones he's talking about are the Ahruf. Let's just go and assume that those are the Ahruf. And the Qira'at would be the Ruwayat, really. These are the, the students or the ones that come afterwards. It's interesting he mentioned that we don't tell the new converts, those who are in, in initially who are young Muslims, we don't talk about this. When they're intermediate, so he gave three different stages. The young ones, we don't talk about this. So when you first become a Muslim, don't even mention it. It's just going to confuse them, he said. When they're a little bit more intermediate, if they do come up with a question, we just said, just believe it. Just don't question about it. For those who are more advanced, like Muhammad Hijab, then we do a deep dive. He kept on talking about this deep dive. Take my class. But it sounds like Muhammad Hijab was not happy about that answer. Not only that, did you notice what he said then later on? I've never lectured on this in 25 years. You'll never hear me talk about it. So what's this deep dive that he's talking about? Obviously, even the, uh, the exact advanced students, don't, he doesn't know what to do with. If Muhammad Hijab, who's been a Muslim all his life, and is one of the leading Muslim proponents on the internet, if he asks him this question and he can't even answer it, and then he makes it, he's proud about the fact that for 25 years he's never talked about it, what is this deep dive that he's talking about? What would you guess this is? Well, I mean, the only guess is that he's going to take them through the sources that you and I have access to, to try to explain to them the different opinions and what the scholars are saying. And probably at the end, he's going to say, we should take it by faith. Never question it. And he exactly says that. We're going to get to that. But notice, he says, for the last thousand years, the scholars have not known how to deal with this. At one point in the the interview, I don't have that in these snippets here, he says Al-Jazari is the world's leading authority on this, and he was living in the 15th century, and he wrote 80 papers on the Qira'at, and he never came to any conclusions. He could not solve it himself. Are you telling me for, uh, you know, at least a thousand years between the time of Muhammad and his companions until Al-Jazari, We still have an issue. For 800 years, we still have an issue. And that's why the canon was closed on the Kirat. He was the one that chose the last three Kirats and the last six Riwayats to make nine. I'm sorry. Yeah, six and three is nine. To make nine, which made up then 30. He was one that canonized it. He was one that closed that canon. And that's why from that time on, from 14... 29 up till to, up till well up till 1924 those 30 were the official 30 out of the 700 that he had chosen because he could not come to any conclusion himself in a sense he had he didn't solve the problem he enlarged the problem by adding another nine to the the 20 that uh, the 21 that are already existed so you can see this is a real problem now there's some more I want to unpack some more in in the next episode uh, we're looking at the first six difficulties there are many more that we want to look at. We want to get up to about another 10 problems I want to unpack, but that's for the next episode. Wonderful. Thank you so much, brother. I think everybody can see now why that interview was so damaging to, to damaging, not to us, damaging to someone who is a Muslim, especially if you are a brand new Muslim, a convert to Islam, you can see now everything you've heard, why Islam is so wonderful, why you need to uh, accept it as the final uh, religion, final revelation, that it is the only way to heaven, you're beginning to notice that the primary source has so many holes in it. So what is it that you are going to base your faith on if the word of Allah has many varieties to it? Even even Yasser Qadi said in an interview, if I were to write the Quran, 
on that blank book that Muhammad Hijab kept telling him, if I give it to you, it's not going to be just one type of reading. It's multiple qiraat, okay? So here is a leading scholar in that field acknowledging it's multiple ways of writing, uh, you know, maybe a collection, an eclectic Quran, if you wish. I would have loved it if you would have said it will be an eclectic Quran, which even if you do that, it's still going to look different than the most popular one, which is Hafs. And that's the dilemma. We are continuing. Uh, we're going to get uh, continue with taking our deep dive into these issues. Until next episode, have a blessed day.